we're at the beginning of this series that we titled Wellness. This is going to be a short one. And I'd like to begin by telling you that some time ago, I was commissioned to a very particular archaeological expedition. My wife sent me to fix the garage. So as I was cleaning it, as I was cleaning it, I found this piece of archaeological evidence. Maybe some of you remember opening a box of this antiquity and finding in the box a manual. And if you were like me, when you took out the stuff of the box, the manual was taken and put aside, never to be seen again. One of the reasons why we never looked at the manual was because we thought I was dead. Another reason why we never looked at the manual is because we thought, I know what to do. But the reality is that most of us who never touch the manual discover one thing. That our VCR, yeah, that's what it was, video cassette recorder, never was used to the full potential. We know how to play and stop, rewind, because we had to, before Netflix. But because we didn't follow the, follow the steps of the manual, we never used our VCR to its full potential. Now, for those of you born in this millennia, I want to show you another piece of archaeological evidence. This is in a foreign language, for those of us who know how to read, and even for those who know how to read and to follow the manual, it's cryptic. If you ever bought a piece of furniture from Ikea, you know that there's always a piece that is missing, a piece that is not fitting, a screw that is... Why there is there always screws that are extra? Why? And at the end of it all, we hold up the thing that stands and the door's open. But there's a thing about following manuals, regardless of what they are for. Electronics, mechanics, furniture. Manuals are designed to give us simple advice in order to avoid terrible things. As we begin this series this morning, I'd like to share with you a principle that neglecting the words of the maker leads to terrible results. Neglecting the words of the maker leads to terrible results. This is the time when you can open your notes and go to the scripture. We're going to Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. See, the people of Israel have been in captivity for over 350 years. How long? Exactly. Over 350 years. And what happened to the people of Israel was that all sense of rules, all sense of order, all sense of, uh, of, of principles for life were lost. The only consistency that they, ex- they experienced in, in, in captivity was the crack of the whip. They forgot how to treat others. They forgot how to treat themselves. And most importantly, they forgot 
have a relationship with God. So as they come out of Egypt, God gives them principles. God gives them guidelines. God gives them advice so that they could deal with themselves, deal with each other, deal with their health, deal with God, so that they could be successful. And we find that in, the, in chapter 15 of Exodus, verse 26, it reads, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in His eyes, and give ear to His commandments, and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the kitchen. For I am the Lord, your healer. See, the death was a tough place. Egypt was a tough place. So the people of Israel come from a tough place to perhaps fight in the wilderness one of the greatest challenges that they experience. I think that God, God allows us to go through a wilderness stages in our lives so that we can learn the same thing that the people of Israel needed to learn. And that was to learn to trust the God. So the next time that you find yourself in the wilderness in your life, remember, God allows you to be there so that you can learn to trust Him. Now the wilderness, also, is not just a place for the people to be tested, but it's also the place where God, in the barrens of places, God is going to provide for His people whatever they need. Because it is in the midst of the scarcity that God always comes to. It is in this desert that God brings His people so that they can learn to trust and so that they can learn to be safe. But let's look at the second part of the text. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. So the question here, the question that arises as we read this text is, what were the diseases that the Egyptians had that God is telling these people that if they trust in Him, they will not receive? According to, to some studies, oh, that's the text we just read. According to some studies, they discovered that the mummies that were uh, extracted from the tomb, when they were found, they suffer all kinds of physical reality. And one of them is that they found that the water that they were drinking had parasites in it. Had parasites. Obviously, they didn't know anything about purification of water or, or, or uh, alkaline water or anything like that. They just brought water as they found it. Most likely from the Nile. So as they were drinking the water, thinking that the water from the Nile was water from the gods, in reality, at the Nile, they were in denial that that water was making them sick. I know that you see that they found is that all the Egyptians had more nutrition. They were not feeding themselves well. In fact, they discovered that the wealthier the person, the more deficiencies they had. Because they were not eating grains or meat. All they were eating was meat. They also found that, that these people suffer from 
they experience all this malady that God had allowed to happen to the Egyptians because they forgot one little thing. To follow God's word and to depart. Let me share with you a principle. Following the words of the maker promotes wellness. Following the words of the maker, the maker promotes wellness. See, in the 1800s, Norway, Norway suffered of um, Norway suffered of uh, uh, leprosy. Now, when we think leprosy and Norway, they kind of don't go together, right? We think leprosy is for for or an undeveloped country, but leprosy in Norway. They discovered that with the 1700s, a lot of people were dying from leprosy, and they thought that they had already learned how to control it in the 1800s. So, what happened was that they thought that, that it was not an infection, it was just a disease that people had it, and that was it. So, there were leprosy, people with leprosy who went selling stuff from house to house, they, 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 they mingled with the other people, they went to work. Get to school. So in the middle of the 1800s, leprosy had already taken up again in Norway. And the culture, our Neil Hansen, in 1873, discovered something very interesting. He visited a home and took samples from the home. And took samples from the people who lived in the home. And he discovered that the same red cells, the leprous, leprosy cells, that were found of the people who had lived in the house were present in the furniture, were present in the walls, were present all around the house. So that's when they discovered that leprosy was an infection. An infection as easily to be transmitted to other people as a cold. If somebody with leprosy would sneeze at your face, it's very easy to acquire leprosy. So they follow the advice that we find in Jeremiah 723. Can we go back to Jeremiah 723? Notice what it says. And then there you go, God with you. But this command I gave them, obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. Notice something really interesting here. If you follow my advice, says God, things are going to be well with you. Let me translate for you. If you listen to my words and you live by them, you will have wellness. See that? So, what does that have to do with leprosy? Let's look at the text. Let's look at the text. Leviticus 13 46, and I put it on the screen in case you don't have the notes. Notice what it says. Talking about somebody who had leprosy. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. Guess why God is saying this word? Because God knew that leprosy was contagious. Now, he's unclean, he shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. In other words, see. God is speaking to the people of Israel in a way that they can understand. In theological terms, this is defined as as a 
divine condescendence. Divine condescendence is the, the moment when God and His Word speak to people in a language they can understand. See, God could have said to the people of Israel, guys, leprosy is contagious. There's viruses that will be transmitted from one to another. And the incubation period is 24 hours. Look at that. Let's remember that at that time, the microscope had not yet been invented. So they would not know what microscopic is. They would not know what infection is. But God speaks to them. If somebody has a disease, ask them to live alone. Okay, we get that. In fact, that's when we outside the camp. We get that. And somebody will be unclean until they no longer have the disease. In fact, through the Old Testament, and even the New Testament, when somebody has leprosy, regularly has to go and have checkups with the priest. As the priest, we examine the skin, examine the color, examine the texture, and we'll declare the person if he was clean or not. Why clean? Because it was very important that they would follow the steps that God indicated. So once in Norway, they discovered this, this truth about leprosy and how contagious it was, they followed the advice of God. And now leprosy is eradicated in Norway. Now, another interesting case happened in Austria. In Austria, they were suffering in, in the middle of the 1800s of a lot of early birth deaths. And something very interesting happened. Because when a, when, a, when a baby died, they would say, oh, he died of labor fever. That was the diagnostic, labor fever. But they discovered something really interesting, that when they counted and kept record of the amount of deaths of babies, they discovered that doctors had 80% of death rate of delivery, and midwives only 3%. So, and I know what you're saying, well, doctors are more experienced, doctors should know what's going on. But see, this has nothing to do with their ability to, to, to help the mothers in childbirth. They discover that the doctors who were performing the childbirth, they were also performing the autopsies. And they were not cleaning their hands, they were not cleaning their instruments. Now you see it. All the midwives said was to go and be their childbirth with everything clean. So they said, oh, this is easy. We have to wash our hands. And that's how they corrected the issue. Now, in the book of Numbers, God said this to the people of Israel. Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. Are you with me? The doctors were performing the autopsy and they were coming right into birth without washing their hands. But God had already given up five. But that was not a good idea. And it says, You shall put them both, verse 3, you shall put them both, male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. So those who touched their bodies were considered. Okay. Until they washed it, everything, themselves, with the bath, with the hands, followed the clip, the cleanliness procedures, 
then they were able to touch somebody else. You see, simple advice, simple advice. So today we come to our third principle. Remember what was the first one? If we neglect the words of the maker, these are terrible, terrible consequences. The second one, remember the second one? Following the words of the maker, these are wellness. This is the third one. Jesus restores. Jesus restores. For lack of wellness, as he spoke. Jesus restores. For lack of wellness, as he spoke. In John 10, 10, and this is one of my favorite texts. In fact, I think that for me, it's one of the most important texts in the Bible. And it says, The thief has only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus said, that they may have a life and have it abundantly. That they may have a life and have it abundantly. You see, one of our problems, one of our problems as Christians is that we want to have a life in heaven. Do we, have a, do we want to have a life in heaven? And we think that a life in heaven is going to be awesome. And I do believe that. A life in heaven is going to be awesome. But all we do is preparing for heaven. And that's where the problem lies. Because, see, God does not want us only to prepare for heaven. He wants us to be ready here. And by God, and for God, He's given us advice. He's given us principles. He's given us guidelines so that we can live well, abundantly. And by abundance, it means that every area of our life, every area of our life, it's included in the plan of wellness for God. So Jesus says to you that He came to give us life of wellness. Now, the Barber School of Medicine in 1995, they discovered something really interesting. That there was a connection, there was a connection between the wellness and the spirituality. Now, there were two things that were not separated, but they went together. In fact, they, they, they called uh, spirituality a therapy. And they discovered that there were some factors in the people that were considered in the study of how their spirituality helped them in their health. And some of the factors that they discovered is that they had regular or weekly church attendance. Not monthly, not once a quarter, weekly. That they read their Bible daily. And that they had a constant life of prayer. So they discovered that people who practiced these principles had benefits in their health. What kind of benefits do you have? Hey. Those who had towards heart attack because of their family history, their, their, their physical, their habits. When they begin to practice this principle of the spirituality, they decrease their rate of heart attack by 50%. Those with emphysema, you know, that's a terrible disease of the respiratory system. When they begin to practice 
activist principles of the spirituality, they decreased by 56%. So, Ross, and you know that these are not diseases that you get because you didn't want to have. These are people that were not practicing the spiritual principles. Because the Ross, you get it because you were drinking a lot. Right? Your liver is pretty much destroyed. But they discovered that when these people with their disease begin to practice this spiritual principle, they decrease their disease by 74%. And those with mental issues considered suicide, when they begin to practice this principle, they decrease by 53%. Now, so the medical school of Harvard says there is a relationship between spirituality and health. Because when the enemy has destroyed in a body because of lack of wellness, Jesus can restore. In Luke 50, and in 7 chapter 50, he says, And he said to the woman, Your faith saved you, go into let me, let me tell you about this thing. This is, this is a story that is pretty deep. Jesus is teaching in the house. The disciples are there, listening to Jesus. In fact, it is a house that, it, it's a wealthy house. And Jesus is teaching. And this woman, this woman, who is not living a very kosher life, in fact, she works on the street, comes to the house. And as she comes to the house, everybody's looking at her because they know who she is. But she does not stop to talk to anyone. She stops at the feet of Jesus. And when she comes to the feet of Jesus, she has in her head a jar of alabaster, a jar of perfume. And according to some, some people uh, who know about uh, archaeological uh, elements, artifacts, they believe that it was worth the salary of a full year. So this woman comes to the field of Jesus, opens it up, and pours it on the field of Jesus. Now, there's people who are concerned in the house. They're concerned first because this woman is of uh, ill reputation. They're concerned because the perfume that she's pouring on the field of Jesus is very expensive. And in fact, there's comments written on the scriptures that say, well, we could have sold that perfume and seek the poor. understand a couple of things. This woman, there's no record of the scripture that she was suffering of any disease. She was not sick, at least physically. Her illnesses were different. She had a social life that was broken. She had a relational life that was unsuccessful. She was ostracized by religion and abandoned by the community. She made mistakes in the past that placed her in that situation. However, she knew one thing that the only way that everything else in her life could be restored 
is by coming at the feet of Jesus. And when she comes at the feet of Jesus and opens up perfume, that alabaster, and uses her own hair to, to, to wipe the, the feet of Jesus, she is saying, I am a mess. I am a mess. And what's considered the dirtiest part of the body of Jesus, it's cleaner than what is considered my most important pastor as a woman. To heal this one thing. That what has been a mess in her life, Jesus put it back together. And that is what Jesus said. Your faith has safety. Safety. Do you know what the Greek actually says? Your faith has made you well. Your faith has given you well. He trusted that Jesus could make her well, and Jesus did. Because everyone, everyone, regardless of where you are today, everyone deserves a new start. Simple advice, simple advice that will keep us well. Next week, we'll discover how to do by experience. That was Father, we thank you for your blessing. Thank you for offering wellness to us. Because in our brokenness, even though it could be different from each other, we are broken at some point. Some area of our life. We have allowed to become a mess. Father, today we pray that we learn to listen to your voice, to follow your advice, so that regardless of what a mess our life is, we trust that Jesus can put it back together. We say this all. Amen.